Hello, mortals. We are your Valkyries, Miss Darby and Miss Charlie, and we are two lusty learned ladies from the dark beyond, here to enchant your mortal minds with our witchy wisdom a second time. Just like you, you nasty girl. We'll be discussing our experiences and opinions on sex work, art, and the erotic taboo counterculture we just can't stop talking about. We are currently recording and transmitting this episode from our opulent spaceship of fiendish fun. Welcome to the Babes of Valhalla. Content may not be suitable if you are underage, closed-minded, or immature. We discuss topics that are graphic and sexual in nature. In our last episode, we introduced the book, Witches, Sluts, Feminists, Conjuring the Sex Positive by author Kristen J. Soleil, illustrations by Cause Conover. We recommend listening to part one before listening to part two. It'll make so much more sense. In this episode, we'll be continuing our conversation from episode one. Plus, we have a special treat. We reached out to Kristen and Cause for comments on the process of creating this book and we are so excited to end this episode with the responses they sent in. Let the show begin. Ooh, I'm excited to talk about this next thing, Darby, because you're going to be talking about craft. <laughs> and if if anyone should know something about Darby and I, so we are crafty people. We are crafty witches for sure. Give us some knitting needles any day. Yeah, seriously. Uh, when we lived together, uh, the crafting material was was insane. Was yeah, it probably is good that we both had to move states away so that we could get rid of stuff because I don't even know. We had, we had, and yeah. I'm sure currently both have quite the collection. We both have rooms for our crafts. Oh my. So I'm. I'm in that room exactly. right now. <laughs> um, okay, so the last thing we wanted to talk about was the coven, crafting feminist community. So I loved this chapter, and I mean, I know I connected with the entire book. So, okay, it's talking about basically kind of women seeking the company of other women. What is a coven? What is a coven doing? And I just thought that, one, I have always felt like I wanted to create community, whether that was teaching belly dance classes, whether that was, you know, finding that in the strip club, whether that was creating a coven. And Charlie and I have actually been talking about this a lot because we both have been getting really involved in our witchy extracurriculars. I don't even know what you'd want to call it, but um, we've both kind of committed to that as a... As a practice. Religious source. Yeah. Yes, thank you. As a spiritual practice. And we've been talking about creating a coven. And I think that... I don't know if all women feel this way, but I definitely know that I'm always looking for a female-dominated community where it kind of feels like a safe space to talk about anything. You know, commiserate, laugh talk about anything, talk about so many things that women just deal with 
that are not seen as appropriate topics of discussion in public spaces or around men. So for example, you know, breastfeeding, body hair, periods, sex, um, any of those things, just talking about awkward, weird female issues, whether they're health issues or, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes mm-hmm. you think you can have that conversation with your partner or with a guy friend or in a space where you say, oh, you know, this happened to me the other day. And someone will come to you and, and you'll hear kind of these same shitty things. Oh, well, what what were you wearing? Or, well, what did, you know, well, that's not that bad. He probably meant it this way. And those things, I think, generally come from men. So it's nice sometimes to be in a room full of women where I can say this guy pulled up to the side of the street the other day and said, hey, sweetie, can you give me directions? And I said, my name is not sweetie. And then we can all laugh about it. Instead of a guy being like, mm-hmm. well, maybe he really was just asking for directions. Well, maybe I don't want to be called sweetie. <laughs> so it's it's one of those types of things. But then also kind of looking to celebrate and like worship the goddess, like the inner and outer goddess, you know, exchange ideas, crafts, create. Um, and when I say like inner and outer goddess, I mean inner goddesses and the goddess that exists within all of us and the outer goddess as in the goddess, you know, um, Mother Earth, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. but kind of celebrating female energy and female power and doing things that are, yeah, crafty. And I know that sewing and knitting and all those things kind of have these uh, domestic vibes to them. But for those of us that truly do enjoy doing those types of things, it's so nice to get together with a bunch of women, hang out together, you know do some crafty stuff, just have some girl talk. Um, and mm-hmm. we both have recently talked about kind of creating our own little covens because, you know, we don't live close together. So we kind of have like two little girl gangs, which we've always kind of had a girl gang. We didn't call it a coven, mm-hmm. but we had things that, you know, maybe our rituals were tequila shots, but... I mean, we always had, like, a group of girls that we really hung out with all the time and kind of did stuff with and kind of did have, like, ritual, like, things that we did. They just might have not been <laughs> as refined as I don't know. I now. feel like, yeah, we had our own yeah. ritual. Oh, definitely. Sure. Definitely. Um, but now we're, we're talking about <laughs> covens in a different way and, you know, quote-unquote girl gangs. Yes. And so we have one coven that is cross-country. And we have all of our, you know, female sisters that are in different states and different areas and we kind of connect with them when we can. And then we're also trying to create that in the places that we live. So I have like a group of girls that I'm currently doing, you know, celebrating the Sabbaths with and you're building that as well where you're living. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have never, you know, when I lived in Florida, I felt like that was completely lacking for me. And I couldn't find yeah. my home there because I couldn't find my girl gang. I remember when I very first met you and I never had a close relationship with a group of girls before that point. I only had maybe like one or two female friends and the rest of my friends were men. And when I met you, we were in a dance group together with 
I don't know, like what, like eight Mm -hmm. other women. Well, we were young, so we were eight other girls. And there was this sense of community that was so different from what I was used to. Like we had our friends, but this wasn't about, like we didn't even have to know each other that well, but we all stuck up for each Mm -hmm. other anyway. Like we were just dancing together at the time um, after school, but no matter what, like if somebody would come into our dance room, we'd tell them, you know, all the girls would be like, get the (laughs) fuck out together you know there it was like but it was like a unanimous thing and I was like so amazed because I'd never been in a space where there was so many strong girls like all standing up together even though we weren't best friends and we all came from different like friend groups but it didn't matter like that was our space and that was our gang and we were we were protecting it and slowly that group of girls did turn into our girl gang and that that sense of like protection and like love and like mm-hmm. ride or die attitude only grew to the point where you know I we would have done anything mm-hmm. for each other and that's such like a unique and beautiful thing to have that because I don't know I feel like even when I have connections with men like I have some really amazing connections with men but when I'm in a group of like five women you just feel Exactly. Like some guy's going to drive up, say something, and they're all just going to flip them off. And you don't mm-hmm. need to explain it. It doesn't have to be a conversation. You can be like, what a fucker, mm-hmm. go away. And they all got your back. And that's the end of the conversation. And something so powerful. In yeah, that. 100%. I totally agree. And I do think it's important to have um, community. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how men feel. Mm-hmm. Again, not a man, don't ever want to be. But as a woman, I feel... I definitely feel like having that community and finding a way to create it and call it whatever you want, girl gang, coven, it doesn't matter. Um, making time and space for that I think is really important because I have a friend of mine who just had her third son. So she has three boys and a husband. She's the only woman in the whole house. And we were talking the other day, yeah, and she said to me, we're talking about, I was like, well, do you want to have another kid? Do you want to have a girl? And she was like, you know, I, I don't know. I, th- I think I'm okay with only three right now. Maybe that'll change. And she said that she's having a conversation with her oldest son. Mind you, there she has three under three right now. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Three under three. She's an insane Ooh. person. Props to her. I know. She's Jesus. an insane person. But she's talking to her. So I'm saying her oldest. When I say her oldest son, he's three. or He's like two and a half. Maybe three. And... <laughs> He was doing something and she said she just got really emotional and just started crying. And she she said, you will never understand what it feels like to be me and how much pain I go through and how much I hurt. And she said that she's like, it's silly because, you know, my son is, is two and a half. He doesn't understand what I'm talking about. But I had just given birth to his little brother and... She said, and I realized in that moment there was never going to be anybody in this house who was going to understand what it felt like to give birth, what it felt like to be a woman, what it felt like to to feel yeah. those feelings and have those physical and emotional kind of pains that come with that. And I just thought to myself, mm-hmm. you know, damn, I would not want to live. Not that I, not that if I had only three sons ever, I would be pissed. But I just mean. <laughs> That, yeah, you got to have a community of someone who can understand, you know, when you're talking about female issues or female just anything, whether it's 
you know, the way you're treated or sexuality or physical things, you know, periods and sex and breastfeeding and cramps. Cramps. Yeah, you want to, you don't get the kind of comfort from a man when you say, oh, my cramps are really hurting and and they can kind of be like, okay, you know, well, take some aspirin, you'll be fine. And you're looking at them and you want to punch their face out because you're thinking, my body hates me for five to seven days once a month. I feel like I'm turning inside out and there's a small gremlin living in my uterus. Go fuck yourself. Take some goddamn aspirin. But they just don't get it. They, they don't understand. So, I mean, just even that, you want to have a group of women, a community that you can talk to and they they can be like we get it and you know they get it and there's comfort in knowing that somebody else understands yeah and also likes to craft and also likes to craft (laughs) no but there is a certain level of um pain that our body goes through Mm -hmm. being women and later we will get into that because you and i have both had uh intense experiences multiple intense experiences just within Mm -hmm. our bodies uh as women and it's really hard to relate that to somebody who who doesn't feel that and not that they don't try like you can have a really loving caring community Mm -hmm. of men but there there is a difference when you have another woman with you because she understands to a certain degree like your body or your the difficulties that you Mm -hmm. can face and not that all women need to be biological women of course you know there's a lot of other things that we face and there's a lot of things that we just want a community for and there's a different energy to somebody who is a woman or identifies as a woman yeah i mean mean, you're just talking about hair and makeup or clothing or style i mean there's not that that's all we talk about but there's a million different things that yeah you definitely don't have to have a period or any of those things to necessarily you know to be considered a woman if you identify as a woman yeah just like you said 100 percent, there's a type of energy that you bring that a man mm-hmm. just cannot fulfill it is not the same thing there was a great quote in that section um again about men being afraid (laughs) which i am super into witches gathering deep in the woods conjuring mayhem inspired far more fear than the solitary witches on the prowl the collective aspects of witchcraft drove witch hysteria and Mm. i love that i love the imagery that it pops up of just you know women in the woods just conjuring mayhem i just loved it and i love i love it too that you know they i know that i don't know for me it connected to me in the sense that my mom always said you know if there's two of you you're less likely to be attacked so if there's two of you out and you're walking Mm -hmm. your car at night there's two of you anywhere they're not going to pick you off and i just feel like there's mm-hmm. power in numbers there's power when we stand together and we kind of talked about this earlier with um what you were talking about with the hierarchy it's you know if we can stand together mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have power and they are afraid of us and they doesn't necessarily have to just be you know cisgendered white men right it can be whatever the they is that's working against us exactly 
but they are afraid of us when we are together because we are stronger together. If there's just one of us out and about, even Mm -hmm. if we're on the prowl, as this quote says, we can be picked off. But together, we are a united force. And I love that because I think that with everything that's going on, I mean, not just now, but, you know, we haven't had the vote for that long. We haven't had the same freedoms for that long. We still experience, uh, you know, misogyny and violence, violence and we live in a patriarchal yeah. society and we're still fighting against that every day and but we're but we're working towards it and we're we're coming together we're finding new ways we're going to figure it out and I do truly believe that whether it's in my lifetime or the next but I just love this imagery that it's if we can come together if we can create covens if we can connect girl gangs all over the place we mm-hmm. can uh you know be a force to be reckoned with and I just love that absolutely yes um i love that too i think that is fantastic (laughs) (laughs) and i love the imagery i'm so drawn to like the practice but also the aesthetics of witchcraft like oh just like women working in the woods at night around like Mm -hmm. a bonfire wearing like just nothing but like black see-through lace gowns like oh no i totally agree Yes. And the fact Sign that like <laughs> that this is like a spiritual practice that uh, has a craft for every holiday. And I, I mean, okay, I'm sorry. A hand turkey oh, I know. does not count. Oh, I know. So all of you people out there going, well, there's Thanksgiving crafts. There's St. Patrick's Day crafts. Those are bullshit. We get to make cool little corn husk dollies and all different types of things. But I just love it that every single holiday has or sabbat has an intention and a craft multiple crafts and yeah a baking thing and it's all about it's seasonal Mm -hmm. it's about the earth my altar is always being switched out with like handmade items that we make on each sabbat and it it also feels good to make something and as you make it you're like holding Mm -hmm. an intention and then when it's created it's like it's like your spell is completed because you have you have you've crafted it into this object and then you place it on the center of your altar and i don't know it it does it does the job for me it makes me oh, feel good it makes 100%. me feel like i'm working working some sort so of So then energy. what do you do with your creations? Do you keep them forever? Usually when i'm cleaning off the mantle to put like the next sabbats like i i change it out every sabbat i put a new display up I will take everything off that I have crafted, um, especially if it's like temporary things, and I will burn them. <laughs> cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I might I might keep some stuff, but at the same time, like so much of it is like mm-hmm. made out of natural materials, and I don't want to just have like boxes and boxes and boxes of like little handmade natural material things. If I make something that's more substantial, I'll keep it. But when it's like I have a lot of things that I've like woven uh out of natural materials or or created i'll just burn them oh i have one quote i was gonna share before we finished up i just thought this was so relevant to us and into sex work in general uh this is a quote taken from the section political witch rebellion and revolution and this is from jex blackmore who is part 
of the Satanic Temple, which is actually more of a political movement than a spiritual belief. And if you would like to know more about that, please do research. It's very fascinating. But Jax Blackmore is interviewed about the aesthetics of resistance. And I just love what she says. She says, you kind of have to aesthetize your work to touch on a cultural pulse that people respond to. I can see other movements that lack that feature, and I feel like they could be much more successful if they could employ a powerful aesthetic. So I love this because she's referring to the Satanic Temple and how they have this strong aesthetic when they do their political marches and how their aesthetic brings them this power. But I was thinking about sex work because in the sex work industry, it has such this distinct like look mm-hmm. to it like every 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 field has like a very distinct like look of like how we imagine people in that that world to look and the the aesthetics around it but also i wanted to talk about us you mm-hmm. and me and our podcast and how i thought like when we were th- first thinking of this podcast we created a strong aesthetic and a strong backstory because we wanted to create this beautiful platform to create our story on Mm -hmm. top of and how it helps promote our ideas and our concepts by you know finding the right colors finding the right textures finding the right imagery that we feel like promotes our ideas without us having to say anything yeah i would agree Um, and i think it's fun it's so much fun and it's fun to create beautiful things and it is fun. And I think you and I really value design. <laughs> so totally. we wouldn't just want like, just like, oh, we'll just, you know, put whatever up. We're like, no, we're going to make all the artwork ourselves. Well, I think that's why it took us of like course. forever and ever and ever to start this project because we knew we wanted to do it, but we didn't have an mm-hmm. idea of exactly what, like we knew what we were going to talk about. What was it going to look mm-hmm. like? What was the concept? And then once we kind of figured that out, it sort of came together. Yeah, it's how we wanted to deliver our message and it's important. Yeah. To, yeah, to present it beautifully. Well, no, <laughs> I definitely. I just thought it was so interesting. I agree. I 100% agree. And I think aesthetic is, yeah. is really important to us in our own life. Like, even though I wouldn't say that, like, you and I dress up every day because we definitely don't. But when yeah. we do, I mean, we put a lot of effort into it and we we like doing those things and we like, I don't know, we like, we think a lot about what that says and, and presenting ourselves in a certain way. In sex work, when you're creating your persona, you do the same thing. You find like your aesthetic, you know, like if you're a stripper, there's some basic rules you're already going to follow, like you know, the outfits have a style, the makeup and the hair usually have a style, the fingernails have a style, the shoes have a style. But then within that, like, how are you going to personalize it? Like, what kind of character are you? Like, what colors do you go towards? How do you how do you personalize each tiny element? And there's such this strong aesthetic that goes with dancers, too. Like, the amount of costume changes some people do that no one will ever notice is insane but it's like the dancers are are helping uh feed that character and that aesthetic throughout yeah the and like how we would know who was on stage based on the music that's playing oh that's so-and-so's music 
Oh, absolutely. We already know. And they, yeah. when they get on stage, it brings, yeah. like, a certain feeling. Like, oh, this is, you know, the girl that always dances to metal. And she has, like, the Satanist tattoos. And she always wears red and black. Yes. And she has, like, crazy hair. Yes. And then there's, you know, here's the baby doll girl who kind of has this, like, little cutie pastel thing. And she always dances to, like, classic top 100. Yeah. So, my question for you Charlie, at the end of our episode, is what does the word witch mean to you in your own life? Witch to me means understanding like the underlying power that everything has and instead of ignoring it or overlooking it, trying to work with it. And sometimes that's going to be very successful and sometimes it's not going to be successful at all. And some people might just think of that as positive thinking. But I like to think of it as witchcraft. It's just drawing on that energy that you get from, you know, waking up and seeing the sunshine or the sun going down and seeing the moon or going into work and feeling, you know, the the beat of of the music there's there's this energy to life there's this energy to being outside in nature and trying to intentionally do something with that and i think that some people i think a lot of people do that without even thinking about it and they don't consider it witchcraft they just consider it yeah like oh i'm just like doing some intentional you know practices or i'm just enjoying you know, the sunshine, or I'm just, you know, having wishful thinking, or even meditation. I think in a lot of ways, that's what I would consider witchcraft. What about you? Um, yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's like recognizing and trying to understand your connection to your surroundings, um, celebrating nature, celebrating things that, you know, give us life nourishment physically emotionally spiritually Mm -hmm. giving thanks to those things kind of reminding yourself that you are i think our religion does this for a lot of people but reminding yourself that you are one being in the entire huge humongous universe in the spectrum of history which makes you small Mm -hmm. but then also understanding that you know all the things that you do do have power and matter it's like this weird I don't know like gray area between those two things and I think just um yeah the word which is this identity that that encapsulates those things and it's someone that isn't afraid to do those things and and spend time on those things I don't know someone who prioritizes maybe that I think talked about before you know living in a capitalist society that's just full of consumerism and how often we're consuming and not giving or using our natural surroundings or giving thanks to kind of our natural surroundings and and even even you know even people in our life that are amazing and matter to us and I like that a lot of the sabbats kind of have a lot of prompts for reflection so it's not just at Thanksgiving or Christmas but it's kind of all the time. 
All right, so what about the word slut? Whew, that is a loaded question. I think the word slut is a word used to identify someone who is sexually... Uh, <laughs> empowered <laughs> who's sexually curious who's sexually excited uh it's been a word that has been you know used to shame and has now been turned into a word to use to celebrate you know i think that now the word slut can mean you know a person who chooses to own their sexuality. Yeah, I would agree. But I know that it came from somewhere very different. Yeah. That's a hard one. But what about you? Um, For me, the word slut, I definitely identify with it because I think that working in the industry, uh, you know, little civvies, especially women, tend to to want to tell you that you are being slutty or they want to kind of make it sound like women who are profiting off of their sexuality are quote-unquote sluts like it's a bad thing and Mm -hmm. so for me I would agree in the sense of what you said that it's a powerful word where it's being reclaimed and uh you know I connect to it in the sense it's like you know yes someone who uses their sexuality uh as a tool who, whether it's to gain pleasure, where it's to give pleasure, whether it's to explore those types of things, whether it's to make money, it doesn't matter. For they are aware of the power of their sexuality and they are not afraid to wield it. And I think that that's an important thing because uh, I don't think that women are empowered to use their sexuality. I think we are taught to be afraid of it, to be ashamed of it or to kind of cover it or keep it in some weird covenant for some special someone instead of recognizing that it is a strong kind of force within us that can be used Mm -hmm. to kind of empower us and 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 lift us up so slut for me is a very positive word now at this time in my life I don't think it has always been that word for me Mm -hmm. but I think Mm -hmm. now definitely yeah, I definitely think that for a lot of people, slut just because we're in a modern time does not mean slut means a positive thing. I think that there is a movement mm-hmm. of women who and men who are reclaiming that word in a positive way and using it as a title to express their their um like the rejection of the term in its negative form and to celebrate the fact that they are are exploring their sexuality. Um, but it's still very painful for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think the way that it's used, too, and who's saying it to you. So then what about the word feminist? Feminist? Did you know? Do you get where I'm going now? I had a feeling <laughs> you were going to go to feminist. Uh, oh. I feel like the feminist movement still has a ways to go, right? There's still a lot of subsections within feminism. And... It 
needs to get past that. There's a lot, and we should do a whole episode about feminism and sex work because there's a lot of we issues should. between the two. There's a lot of feminism or feminists that are anti-sex work and don't think that women who sell their bodies in any way, shape, or form are are feminists and that they're actually like working towards like the male agenda. So, or or that we're all victims. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. We're like feeding into the. Um, patriarchy patriarchy and yeah we're co-conspirators of the patriarchy i think feminism is finding power in the fact that you're a woman and understanding that men and women are different like we have talked about that a lot on this podcast in past episodes already is that there are differences in male and female Mm -hmm. energy there just are and like conversations and our brains are different our bodies are different but that doesn't mean that our equal access to jobs should be different you know it shouldn't mean that yeah our pay should be different it shouldn't mean that you know some of the us don't get equal opportunity to represent ourselves in the courtroom or anywhere and that that is where i think feminism is important is finding those equal opportunities in those places not necessarily that we need to be seen as the same as men because we are not Mm -hmm. men but taking away those boundaries that permit us from achieving the same things in relationships in the workplace in our personal lives as men yeah i would agree yeah and i think that uh we should definitely do an episode about feminism and sex work because i do feel like Uh, For a long time, I felt like very strong in my convictions of being a feminist and that working Mm -hmm. longer in the sex industry and kind of educating myself on swerfs and, you know, extremist feminists who don't include sex workers was Mm -hmm. really painful for me to understand that there was a whole group of women who specifically, a whole group of feminists, I'm sorry, who specifically did not support the women who participate in the sex industry i've run into that issue multiple times talking to people like well how could you consider yourself yourself a feminist that's a really hard question to answer yeah i 100 percent agree and i don't i and i don't understand how anyone can even almost ask that question because it just seems so backwards but there are truly people out there who believe that, yeah, you can't participate in sex work and be a feminist. And I think that that's really damaging because the same, those, you know, there's also people who exclude women that are trans, um, who exclude women of color. We kind of talked about this earlier. And so for me, feminists mm-hmm. and feminism, uh, I still believe in it and connect with it. But for me personally, if it's not intersectional and including sex work, women of color, um, women with disabilities, and trans women, then it's 100% not, not feminism. When we started this episode, we reached out to both Kristen and CosCon to ask a few questions about the book. And um, both Charlie and I were super nervous because... We are like a small podcast swirling around in the universe and we think that they are amazing, talented individuals who create beautiful things and we didn't think 
I mean, we wouldn't have been upset at all if they hadn't gotten back to us, but they actually got back to us really quickly. And I think we were kind of fangirling out a little bit because we were both really nervous even reaching out to them because they're just awesome. And times are very crazy right now and things can just be difficult in general. So we are so appreciative and so excited to feature our interviews with both uh, Kristen and CosCon. For Kristen's interview, she uh, ended up just writing us back. So Darby and I will be reading the questions and responses. And for CosCon, he replied with voice recording. So we will be reading our interview questions and then playing his recorded answers. Darby, myself, will be reading the questions and Charlie will be reading the responses that Kristen sent us. So question number one. Your book, Witches, Sluts, and Feminists, feels to us that it speaks to a very specific audience. What in your personal experience inspired you to explore this particular relationship between these three identities? I view myself as a channel or a conduit and as a curator, so to me, Witches, Sluts, Feminists is more of a collection of ideas and philosophies and histories that all have been cycling through our psyche, or even the collective unconsciousness. It is not my story per se, but at the same time, I absolutely identify with all three labels for a very long time, and still very much do, both publicly and privately. So the book draws on my personal experiences and convictions and hopefully those who also identify in these ways feel that when they read it. However, I am pretty stoked when those outside my target audience get a hold of this book. For example, a friend of mine gave it to his father who's a minister, and it was used in a Bible study seminar. There's a lot of folks who need to hear this story who aren't witches, sluts, or feminists. Yet. You write about and talk to a lot of people who believe that women are intrinsically magic. Do you feel that all people have access to this kind of expression? Absolutely. There's nothing about magic that is distinct to any single gender expression. I choose to highlight women and folks of the feminine spectrum because there is a unique history correlating femininity with witchcraft. But there is so much more about witchcraft and magic that I wasn't able to cover. Who are the contemporary figures in the witch-slut community that you admire and or inspire you? Brie Luna, the mastermind behind Hood Witch, Tamara Santibanas for their activism and artistry, Morgan Claire Siren, who created the Sluttest Tarot. There's so many it's impossible to narrow down. Thank you, Kristen, so much for responding to our questions and the time that it took. You can find Kristen J. Soleil at kristensoleil.com and on Instagram at Kristen Corvette. K-O-R-V-E-T-T-E. Next up, we have the voice recordings from CosCon or Anthony Conover. How did you come up with these images? Did Kristen give you prompts or did you read the chapters before starting? Uh, when Kristen had contacted me, uh, she had had references in mind or concepts in mind and also sent me um, an excerpt from the book and so I was able to kind of read and see kind of the tone and where she was coming from um, and also look up the references and get kind of a vibe uh, for kind of where she wanted it to go 
um, and kind of, yeah, just like a, a jump off point uh, for the images in general. How did you connect the terms witch, slut, and feminist? Did this play into your illustrations? In terms of my relationship with um, uh, feminist, slut, witch, um, I feel like I see that all of those things are deeply woven into not only our psychology um, and not just culture, but the history, like the history of man, quote unquote, humans, mankind. Um, but these are, these are the only true constants, right? Aside from the biological flesh, bone, muscle, um, nervous system, all that stuff. Um, when we talk about the psychological and the spiritual, those things are ever present. If we talk about matriarchal societies, if we talk about the ability to reproduce, if we talk about, um, the repercussions of suppression, right? All of these things are constant. And when we talk about sex, when we talk about, um, when we talk about, um, slut, those are things that are in one way or another pinpointing a thing that people are afraid of, which is wielding power, you know, to be a witch, to be a feminist, to be a slut is seeing, seeing a power that is inherent and being able to connect with it and not be afraid of it but to move with it, to see the ways that it's empowering, the ways that it makes you connected to things. And people are afraid of that. People are afraid of people who see what they have. You know, it's the same thing with um, when we talk about white supremacy and we talk about the fear that, you know, white people have with black people. It's because there is a magic um, that comes from oppression. You have no choice but to see your power. You have no choice but to see what tools you're working with to overcome these things. And that's terrifying. You know, women and female-bodied people and people who are connected to the divine feminine, they are tapped into a frequency that is so massive and so powerful. And that's terrifying. What's more terrifying than somebody who's in connection to their body and sees that there is zero division between their body and the earth around them? To be a witch means to be connected to those things. It means to look to a tree and see that it is surging with life and an energy that is literally no different than yours. You both empower each other. You both feed energy to each other. Um, so when I think of those words, I do think that they're all connected and they all have to do with power. They all have to do with an inherent connectivity. What did you use as your inspiration for the characters you illustrated for the book? We especially loved all the different clothes and accessories. Each character had a very unique personality. Uh, when it comes to the style of the illustrations, uh, so much of it is just kind of built into my psychology. Like when I sit down to draw, that's all the stuff that's coming to the table. Uh, my love for fashion, uh, my love for uh, women and femmes in general. Um, when I was growing up, like that's the kind of thing that informed everything. I mean, the way, the way that I am now, um, the inflection, the posture, all of those things are kind of in some way 
um, an emulation of um, like the women in films and in cartoons you know, all that stuff uh, is just built inside of me um, and then fashion uh, is such a huge it's such a huge thing for me uh, I love it so deeply and so um, referencing McQueen and Ray Kawakubo and Gareth Pugh um, and then the things that just kind of came oh and uh, Terry Mugler um, uh, mixed with just general kind of references, um, leather work and, um, BDSM and things like the, the, um, nipple tassels, like all that kind of stuff is just in my head. Um, and it just takes somebody, um, to give me that free reign or to, to give me a context, you know? Um, and then those things just come, they just come to mind. Um, I think people who, um, in every way, I mean, uh, pretty much in every skill, I mean, people who are great with math, people who are great with, um, connectivity with history, all of those things, those all are a form of magic. And I think, I think like maybe one of the most straightforward versions of that are artists. Um, I think musicians and painters and sculptors and illustrators, it, it's so much about just channeling. It's channeling something. It's channeling whatever's going on in your brain um, with something outside of you and somehow your body is just able to translate it. And that's kind of how it feels when I draw. Like, I don't know how I know how to draw, you know? Um, I never went to school or I never like took classes on it or anything. It's just something that I was drawn to do. And when I sit down to draw, I don't really know what's gonna happen. Um, I just know that I want it to be in some way a reflection of what I love. And so um, Kristen was already familiar with my work. And so when she wanted me to do um, illustrations for this book, she already knew kind of like what I was interested in, what I loved. And she is similar. She obviously loves magic and she loves um, like feminist icons and femme icons and feminism and sexuality um, and fashion. And so, um, I don't know, she like curated this kind of perfect, perfect situation, but also gave me just complete free reign. Like she just trusted that, um, what came from me was going to be aligned with, uh, what she wanted for the book, um, the overall message. But ultimately, I mean, the product of the entire book is like what she cares about and what she loves and what she feels really connected to. Um, so yeah, that, I think no matter what, um, those things just came out. They just were, they're just kind of in my head. And when I sit and draw, that's just the kind of stuff that's, um, already kind of swirling around in my head. Um, and I'm really, really happy to be a part of this book. I'm honored. Uh, I think it's something that's really special and something that's really activating for people and freeing for people, um, and empowers people and makes them feel seen. Um, that book is a book of magic. It is a book that is um, channeling and calling and calling um, all of these people that are witches and sluts and feminists. It's making them, maybe even just waking them up to who they really are um, or affirming who they are or speaking to them and saying, yes, like this, everything you think and feel like I see it too. And here's this book, here's this, here's this like basically like this spell book um, that is both speaking to the people who don't connect with this and then those of you who do. Um, maybe this is just learning about your own history or like this kind of grander uh, bloodline that you're a part of. Um, it, it, it takes on so many different versions and 
Um, it would be great if like there are people who picked up that book that are illustrators and artists who that it kind of spoke to them on a similar but kind of different level, seeing the visual aspect of it and seeing something that's kind of a companion piece. Um, because that's what that's what things like that do for me. When I open a book and there's like reading material, to have a visual that kind of drives that home, that speaks to something that I really love and care about, um, it it just like, it, it brings those colors even more to life. So um, if there's any way in which what I drew did that for somebody, people, uh, I would just, it would mean just that much more to me. I'd be so happy. Lastly, any words or comments on your experience in creating the illustrations for this book? If I had to add any last notes, I think it would just be what I generally wish people saw, which is that they're all tapped into this. Um, being a witch, being a feminist, being a slut is not like some kind of specific aesthetic or listening to some kind of music. You'll need to know the every word in the dialogue of the craft or something like that. You didn't have to be a Wiccan, you know, like in high school. None of that is is tied to this reality. Um, being a slut, being a witch, being a feminist, that means being in some way either in control or mindfully open to these things that are already moving through you and are built inside of you. Um, it's not about necessarily taking any kind of action as much as it is stopping and acknowledging what's inside of you already. It's, it's all about seeing yourself and it's all about being open. Um, I think people sometimes maybe do want to tap into that magic or do want to feel that connection with everything. And I think what gets missed often is it's already there. You know, when you pass trees and you see the, the movement of the leaves, when you feel the connection with the sun falling on you, when you feel uh, sexually empowered or you just feel sexually connected, that's a power exchange. That is something that is already written into your, your veins and your bones in your bloodline. You are the product of so much, so much energy, um, positive and negative. Right. Like you were chant, you're channeling trauma as well as like the the survival, the warrior, um, the hyper um, kind of in control sexual being the, the all of that is in you. It's it's all there. You came into this world with all of that magic and all of that um, that power, be it bodily, psychological, psychic. Um, it's all there. And so. I feel like it would be so amazing if people interacted with, I mean, even just my art standing alone or even just the book and didn't even connect with the drawings, but kind of saw how um, people's fear of these things is what creates is what creates the negative energy. It's what created the circumstance that so many people across time have experienced of basically in every way, shape, and form being burned at the stake. You know, we do it now. We do it with slut shaming. We do it with um, completely suppressing women, um, femmes, female body people. Every last bit of that is completely built into a psychology of being afraid of power and being afraid of people who have a connection to things that are just so incredibly important and um, 
human nature. So yeah, that's my, that's like my last note. Just, um, I hope people are, um, not afraid to acknowledge that not only do they straddle the veil, but like the veil is a perception. Um, there is no division between the other side and this side. They're all one thing. Um, and it just is a matter of opening your eyes. We'd like to thank CauseCon for responding to our questions. You can find them on Instagram at CauseCon, that's C-O-Z-C-O-N, or on Etsy uh, under CauseCon. And just thank you both to Kristen and CauseCon for taking the time out of your schedule and your days to get back to us. And um, You're cool. And just, you're awesome. Yeah, you're cool. And we appreciate it a lot, and we feel super excited to be able to have this on our podcast in this episode and we just really appreciate the work that you guys are putting out and so thank you for um being down to be included in our discussion about this book thank you everyone for listening to our deep dive onto the book which is Sluts Feminist Conjuring the Sex Positive by Kristen J. Soleil. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope it encouraged everyone to go out and buy this book and read it because it's freaking awesome. <laughs> and there's so many good little tidbits to get out of this. It is awesome. And when you're going to go purchase it, um, you can, of course, get it on the ever-present Amazon but also try to order it through your local bookstore. Um, try to find it somewhere small. Support your local bookshop. And, uh, you know, fight against capitalism with big, gigantic companies. Um, if you, anyone listening has books or movies or anything else that they would like us to discuss, send them our way. DM us on Instagram or you can always email us. Uh so in the meantime, to soothe your aching loins, you can find us on Instagram at Babes of Valhalla. If you'd like to email us or record an antidote for an upcoming episode, check out our social media for the themes you are currently researching and send your comments and stories to babesofvalhalla at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, stay nasty. Babes of Valhalla is written and produced by the Babes of Valhalla otherwise known as your illustrious lieges, Darby and Charlie. Music provided by the musical genius, Gemini Genesis.